welcome back to the Back and Forth Podcast. As promised, day two of three episodes in a row. We had one yesterday, got one today, one scheduled for tomorrow. And uh, if you guys have been listening to the Back and Forth Podcast for you know a while, especially recently, you you probably can guess the idea of where we're going today, and that is more hoops. But you know, when we go hoops, we we like trying to find a little bit of variety here and there. We don't try to just uh, strictly focus on the games going on. Uh, obviously, we'll get to the NBA Finals a little bit later on. But again, welcome to the Back and Forth Podcast. I'm your host, Stat Matt, a.k.a. Matt Raftery, joined alongside, as always, by my co-host, Joey G. As a friendly reminder, you can find the Back and Forth Podcast on social. Twitter is at Back Forth Pod. Instagram is at Back Forth Podcast. You can find this wherever you get your audio podcast. And we'll start with the NBA draft, actually. And there's been some news coming out uh, yesterday that... Uh, some notable names are staying in the NBA draft, and also they are leaving the NBA draft. So we'll uh, we'll get right to it. We'll start uh, local, I guess. That's what we usually do here on the Back and Forth podcast is start local and work our way outward from there. A, a name that we probably hoped would have pulled his name out of the NBA draft, um, but he has decided that he's going to stay in the NBA draft and pursue uh, professional basketball, that being UNLV's Donovan Williams. Oh boy, um, <laughs> yeah, Donovan Williams uh, winning Mount West Sixth Man of the Year this year uh, did not have a bad season by any means, averaging I think around thirteen points. Um, really started developing an offensive game towards the back end of the season. You know, you know, his offense kind of really ran through Bryce Hamilton for the most part, um, and then towards conference play, Donovan Williams was able to get a little bit more involved and um, um, help out Bryce, but. Not in any universe right now is is he an NBA player. And um, like me and Matt say all the time, you know, we're not in any position to, uh, I think, (laughs) really criticize these guys because they've they've accomplished far more than I think, you know, we will be able to, we will ever be able to accomplish in terms of being a professional athlete. Um, But, um, and I'm not really trying to knock on Donovan Williams for following his dreams either, but he's just not, he's not an NBA player. Um, And I think, Deep down, he has to know that, and whoever's representing him, um, deep down, they know that. So I'm not sure who really made this decision for him, whether it was uh, a decision that Donovan Williams eventually made on his own or if it was the agency is with kind of pushing towards – because obviously that's how they're going to get paid is if he goes back to college, he's not going to get paid or his agency is not going to get paid clearly. So um, trying to push that – go to the NBA envelope. I don't know how his invo- I don't know how his workouts went with him or um, he wasn't even invited to the NBA combine. So the most logical thing, me personally, if I was in his shoes like, hey, you had a really good season. Your first two years at Texas, you know, you were a um eleventh, twelfth guy in the rotation. You didn't get any minutes at all. You're averaging around two, three points a game. You go to UNLV, you have a huge leap. You go up to thirteen points. Um, you figure you stay another year. You have two years of eligibility. You figure you stay another season, um, you can take another. He'll be the he'll be the number one option on UNLV if you were, if you were to come back. You can have a really good season and potentially hear your name called. Like Donovan Williams is a honestly a more intriguing player than Bryce Hamilton because Donovan Williams is a is a very good three and D player I think who can score the ball. Bryce Hamilton is a very offensive one sided kind of player, um, very talented, and Bryce Hamilton I think will find his way on an NBA roster at some point, whether it's he doesn't get his name called or it's through the summer league. Like he will be on an a, a fifteen man roster come the start of opening night, I think. Um but but Williams is a really intriguing player and could have been a easily if he came back and just had a sixteen point season on 
at least 42% shooting, like he would have been a second round pick. Like Donovan Williams easily could have been a second round pick, I think. Um, but he, he chose to, to stay in the draft. And I think what will most likely happen, um, like a lot of other UNLV players who've kind of done that thing is he'll fight either find He'll find his way on a summer league team. He'll play a little bit of G league and he'll end up in overseas somewhere. Um, and a lot of people are kind of comparing, um, Derek Jones Jr. They're like, oh, well, he could be a very similar to a Derek Jones Jr. The 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 problem with that is Derek Jones Jr. was a freshman, and secondly, Derek Jones Jr. was a top 100 recruit, um, and he did one year at UNLV, and he had a very good season, and he was on a lot of highlight reels. So a lot of people knew of Derek Jones Jr. Um, and it's not like Derek Jones Jr. right now is a a an NBA All Star. He's a very good off the bench six to eight point per game kind of player. Um, so I think that's the huge difference between those two guys is Donovan Williams was a, 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 a bench warmer at Texas for two years and he came to UNLV and he finally got a, a opportunity and won six man of the year. And, um, Derek Jones Jr. was someone who's been on a lot of teams radars for a very long time, whether it was collegiate or NBA. So, um, and that, that's the main difference between the two. It's not like Derek Jones Jr. is an all-star right now. He's a six to eight points per game kind of player. So, um, we'll see what happens with Williams. Um, but yeah, I don't think he's, he's anywhere near NBA ready. And, um, me personally, you know, I'm not going to root against them, obviously rooting for him and I hope everything works out well for him. Um, but not in any universe in my eyes, is he, is he NBA ready? And I think, uh, he'll find that out, uh, very quick. Yeah. I mean, the problem with Donovan Williams is yes, he had almost 13 points a game this year. You have to look at who that 13 points a game was against, primarily. It was against Mountain West opponents. And, I mean, he had some good games here and there, but you go from a Power 5 to a Group of 5 school. And by doing that, you go down in competition level. Um, you know, there's a reason Donovan Williams did not show up on anybody's draft board, or at least anybody's draft projections. Uh, it, it's because... He's not even a top 100. No. and I think Bryce Hamilton slipped in there, but yeah, that was not even a top 100. Yeah. I mean, for a guy that was the second best player on UNLV's roster to all of a sudden get the itch that he's going to be an NBA player, like any, I think almost any NBA team, if you told them to look at this season alone, would say that they would draft Bryce before they would draft uh, Donovan Williams. Only because I think... In the NBA, it's a very um, offensive-heavy league, so not having quite the defensive game that you probably would want from uh, Bryce Hamilton, his offense is going to start making up for that a lot, especially in the NBA. And, I mean, really in the Mountain West as a whole, I could probably make the argument for maybe two players to get drafted this year from the entire conference. Roddy or Rody. (sighs) Yeah. And then uh, Orlando... Yeah, What's his name on on uh, Fresno State. Yeah, Orlando. Orla- I know who you're talking. Orlando yeah. Brown. Yeah, um, he's from Las Vegas, by the way. Yeah, Orlando Brown. Um, if you want to make an argument for a third, you might be able to squeeze Bryce in there. Um, that's about it. Like that just goes to show you the complexion of the Mountain West Conference. Like we're tr- we're stretching a third player, maybe um, two that we you know. I've seen David Roddy on draft projection. I'm pretty sure I've seen Orlando Brown on show up on a couple of draft projections, but like nothing that is going to um, 
you know, even those guys aren't going to necessarily blow away an NBA roster right away. Um, and I mean, you have other notable names that have decided they're going to stay in school that quite frankly are better than Donovan Williams that have played against higher competition than Donovan Williams that have gotten more exposure. Um, and I think one more year of school would have helped Donovan. I, I get that the younger you can come out of school into the NBA, the more attractive it makes you to NBA teams because obviously it means that you can play for the, in the NBA longer um, than if you, you know, a, a guy that's gradu- you know, coming into the NBA as a freshman or a sophomore is going to be more attractive to, uh, than a guy that may be coming in as a junior or a senior or even um, a, grad, a grad student. But all that being said, I think Donovan Williams, I can't help but get around the fact that, and we've talked about this, that somebody was in Donovan's ear saying that I think you can make the league. And I don't know who it was. That's that's another thing, though. That's uh, that's a lot of agents, and I feel like they take advantage of a lot of these kids. Um, They, they, yeah, they, they kind of, they kind of put that in their ear, I think. And, um, one advice where a lot of I think a lot of what a lot of kids should probably keep in their back of their mind is surround yourself with people who you know you you can trust. I mean, a lot of these agencies, a lot of these agents are just trying to cash a check, and they're not going to cash a check if you're if you're playing and you're going back to college. Which in a lot of these instances is probably the best option. If Don Williams was a top ten pick. I'd be like, why, why are you? Right. Why are you even still considering UNLV? Like, right. Go to go to the league. Obviously, like I'm not going to be like. You know, like, oh, I'll come back another year. Maybe you'll get into the top five. Like, no, if you're a lottery pick, leave now. Like, right. strike while the iron's hot because um, you're going to have an opportunity if you're a lottery pick. But, yeah, I mean, if you're anything if, – if if you're even first round, if you're leaning towards that second round undrafted and you have, like, at least two years of eligibility left, come back. Right. That's the smartest thing to do. Like, honestly, come back unless – I don't know, but I mean, a lot, a lot of, a lot of these agents, I feel like, in the instance of Donovan Williams, who they know is not going to get drafted, and who they know come opening night of next the following NBA season is not going to be on an NBA roster, like, they're, I feel like they're, they're kind of taking advantage of that, and he'll be playing professionally somewhere, whether it's G League or overseas. But the thing is, is that they'll be getting paid off of that because he's going to be getting paid. Yeah, and in the world of NIL there's even more incentive to come back to school if you're still unsure about the NBA. Like if you're, if you're teetering on that undrafted projection, I mean, come back to school and you can sign a pretty decent NIL deal, um, especially UNLV in a market such as Las Vegas. There's plenty of NIL opportunity here. Um, You know, you can still get paid going to school. And that's something that, I think maybe a lot of guys still forget about is, and, and part of it I think is because of how new NIL is. Like a lot of people just don't think about it, but there's more and more incentive now to stay in school, if, especially if you're on that you know cut line, if you will, um, to come back to school. You can improve your draft projection, and you're still getting paid to go to school because of the NIL. Um, but all in all, I guess we'll. Uh, wait and see where one Mr. Donovan Williams lands um, after, I guess, the draft is over and all that. But a, a guy that, uh, a, a local talent that... A local talent and a guy who's approaching his 40s. Well, well, yeah. So they, play on, they play on the same team. 
uh, they're going to be still playing on the same team, one being uh, Julian Strother. He has pulled his name out of the NBA draft, um, out of the draft pool. He is coming back to Gonzaga. Um, waited until the last day to do it, but he did ultimately decide one more year at Gonzaga. Uh, Julian was projected, I believe, somewhere in the 30s, if I'm not mistaken. Like Some had him 30s, some had him like a late second rounder, but... Overall, he was his name was on most boards. Yeah, and he has decided he is coming back to school for one more year. Same can be said for Drew Timmy, his teammate. He will also be coming back to Gonzaga for one more season. Honestly, I think it's a good move. Like, I think it's a good move, especially for Julian. Like, I didn't feel he was quite ready just yet. I think he was more ready than, than Williams. For but, sure, yes. Um, yeah, I think uh, Julian was going to get drafted regardless. Um, but I think with the opportunity of coming back, it gives him a chance to two big things that he could definitely improve on is his three point shooting mm-hmm. and overall becoming a, a better defender. Cause yep. he's six, eight. Like if he can play let my Celtic comparisons, if he can play Jason Tatum level defense yeah, and be able to shoot the ball efficiently, like from the three point line, if he can just become a, a 38% shooter, he's a really good player. Like he becomes a seriously good player. He becomes someone that, um, I don't know. I don't know if I'll go as far as teams start building around, but he'll become like a a a core young guy that that teams are going to want to hold on to. Um, so I think if he can do those two things this upcoming season, which he'll have the chance to, he's going to be that number one option. I feel like um, a very good decision by Julian, and he could easily slip into um, the top twenty, top fifteen going into next season if he can improve on those two things, which. I believe he will. I think I can almost promise you that's what the feedback was because if you watch any Gonzaga game, um, you know, those are probably the two things that stood out the most with Julian. And the defense may have been more of a, um, you know, he really didn't play a lot his freshman year. So he's kind of like, now you're kind of thrown into it your sophomore year. So that may have been a little of his defensive breakdowns, I guess. Um, but um other than this defense and his his three point shooting like he was a he was a very good uh, overall player and um he reminded me a lot of uh Patrick McCall I think you know fans will remember him he got a lot of Patrick McCall flashes so um I think if he can uh get on those two things he'll be a, he'll easily be a top top 20 pick yeah and i mean i had the privilege obviously of knowing Julian uh, through his early high school, uh, even some middle school days. Um, and now everybody I talked to about Julian, they all kind of said the same thing, that, like, they're not doubting his offensive game. Like, his offensive game is great, especially when he's able to get to the basket. Um, you could probably work on the three-point game a touch. Um, but the biggest, you know, things that he had to improve on were his getting stronger and getting better on the defensive end. And um, I think now, I think now he's starting to realize that and he's starting to... Uh, maybe start honing in on that a little bit because even this year you saw a little bit of an improvement on his three-point game. Like it, it spiked up a little bit yeah. compared to where he's normally been. Um, so now I think you got plenty of smart people at Gonzaga that's going, that are going to be working with Julian telling him, look, if you improve your defensive game even a little bit and you get a tick more stronger, you're probably in the lottery somewhere. And depending on how much that improvement is, you could very well make a case for a top 10 pick. Like, depending on the draft class next year, it, it wouldn't shock me in the slightest to see Julian Strother's name in the top 10 of the NBA draft next year because that's, I think, the potential he really has. And just seeing how close he was this year and seeing just how much more improvement he needs, 
it's not a whole lot. Like, we're not talking a whole lot of improvement. It's, I mean, inches instead of feet at this point, uh, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, this is a, This is a guy that, like I said, a little improvement is going to make him a lot of money next year in the NBA draft uh, because I think he is a lottery pick for sure. And, um, you know, all barring that he stays healthy and all that, he's definitely going to make a strong case, I think, for a lottery pick and maybe even top 10, top five, depending on how much he improves. Drew Timmy, on the other hand, I mean, Timmy's in a little bit of a tough situation. Um, yeah. Age is not. Didn't, didn't sell his house, kept his uh, his wife and his kids there. I, I know. How old this guy is. Age is not being kind to Drew Timmy. Um, <laughs> He's a great player. Yeah. Jokes aside. I, I get it. Like, Drew Timmy wasn't going to be on very many people's draft boards. The problem that I think, and this might be a double edged sword, and people might go, well, kind of sounds hypocritical. Kind of, but I think with Drew Timmy, I think staying in school one more year is not going to actually help him like move up any draft boards because he's, he's going older to, now. Exa- exactly, he's going to get older. Um, he's going to be probably twenty two, twenty three by the time he, uh, by the time next year's draft rolls around. I, I mean, we saw it with if, if you wanted to see that play out in full, like in actual reality, like go look at what happened to Luca Garza. Like Luca Garza was the national player of the year, and the guy was basically the 60th pick of the draft. Yeah. Like he was basically, as we like to call it, mystery relevant. Like that's usually what the last pick of any MV or any league draft is. But a lot of those guys, like Luca Garza and like Drew Timmy, like they just don't work out in the NBA. No, they're good college players. They're fun yeah. to watch, but. I could have told you Luca Garza was not going to be. Uh, I think Drew Timmy has a better shot of being a decent NBA player than Luca Garza, but I kind of told you Luca Garza was not going to be a, a very good NBA player. Yeah, I mean, and it's the same type of like player. Um, like if you wanted to talk about it in like Mountain West terms, like David Roddy comes to mind. Like God. when you're talking about those types of players, like yeah. they're okay in college, like they can get by in college, but like their style of game is not going to translate to the NBA. Like. Drew Timmy is a great college player. I don't know if he's a great NBA player. Luca Garza is not a good NBA player. In fact, he's basically on the brink of being out of the NBA. Like mm-hmm. he's dangling onto a final roster spot somewhere, and it's a low-level roster spot. It's like a well, he's on the Pistons. So yeah, he's like he's the, fighting he, for his life. I would on the say Pistons. he's like the the 14th man on the Pistons. Like, um, and I think David Roddy is going to honestly be kind of the same way, um, just because like. None of those guys are all that athletic. Like if you think about it, Drew Timmy is, you know, he's he's good on offense, but it's more half court offense. That was the same thing with Luca Garza. It's the same thing with David Roddy. When you saw UNLV push the pace against Colorado State, that's where David Roddy really struggled because he just couldn't keep up. Like his yeah. game is in the half court; it's not in transition. And so, in an NBA league where you have to get up and down pretty quick, and you have to be pretty quick on shooting threes, high pace type of league. Th- that's usually where those guys struggle the most, and you know, honestly, that's where I—that's kind of why I think Drew Timmy. I don't think waiting another year is necessarily going to help him anymore. Like at this point, if I was Drew Timmy, I would be maybe looking to go, possibly overseas. Like he might be an okay overseas player. Um, I don't think he gets drafted even this year, uh, but I think that's because. A lot of teams and a lot of people thought like he's pretty old even this year. Now you now you want to wait a whole yeah. other year, right? Um, that would be the only downside is like some of those guys they wait too long to come out of college and then they're they're labeled as too old, right? But the NBA draft to 
the NBA Finals. Got a big game tonight, Joey. Yeah, yesterday we did a little bit of a series preview. Tonight we'll stick to strictly game one. Um, Celtics by a million? I hope so. (laughs) I hope so. Um, But we'll start with Matt. Matt, what do Boston or Golden State have to do to get a win tonight, and who do you think wins tonight? Well, if you're Boston, I think you have to do you have to replicate what you did in Game Seven, and that's get ahead of the curve early. Like yeah. set the tone, don't let the crowd get on top of you, and set the pace early. Like you know, you can't let Steph go crazy. You can't let all, all their perimeter shooters for Golden State get going early because that'll just get the building going, and then pretty soon you're finding yourself having to play from behind. You're playing catch-up. Exactly. And, you ha- and that's a, I mean, Golden State's a tough team to play catch-up against. So for Boston, the biggest thing is you have to set the tone early. And if you're Golden State, um, I think the key to winning tonight is just playing your game. Like, you're at, you're at home. Um, you know, don't try and force things you don't have to. Like, I think sometimes when we see Golden State struggling, it's because they're trying to force a little bit on offense. Like they're trying to get stuff going that may not be there. Um, just be patient. Like know that you're playing a Boston team that admittedly is probably a little bit more tired than you. Like they've had to go through a tough road just to even get to where they're at. Now, you know, if you're Golden State, you want to obviously take advantage of that. And you're at home, so you don't have quite as much pressure, I think, on you than you would, obviously, if you're a road team trying to go in there knowing, okay, we got to get at least one of these, if not two. Um, I, I think if you're, you're Golden State, uh, patience is going to be really, really key to winning tonight. Yeah. Um, I like the Celtics tonight. Um, unbiased opinion. The Celtics have been a really good road team throughout the playoffs, sitting at 7-2. and two. Um, and they've also been a really good road team in particular against Golden State. Uh, they've been, I believe, 6-2 and two in their last eight games in the Bay Area on the road, and they have yet to lose a game in the brand-new Chase Center. They are currently 3-0 um, in Chase Center since it's open. So um, they've been playing really well there. Uh, I think what Boston's got to do tonight, very, Matt said it very well, they got to come out the same way they did against Miami and, and just start pulling away and you got to make Golden State play catch up with you and you can't let the crowd get into it. I've said it countless times. I don't think – I think Chase Center is a lot easier to win in than it was in Oracle. Um, I think – I don't think uh, Chase Center will ever become what Oracle Arena was. I know, like I said a hundred times, we give Oakland a lot of crap on this podcast, but um, the, uh, the Oakland Warriors were um, um, one of the toughest teams to go play on the road and there's a reason why – I believe during that 2017 season they won 30 straight games there. It was, it was, you know, uh, it felt like a. It sounds silly, but it felt like you know a college basketball atmosphere in a sense because a lot of college ba- basketball atmospheres are really tough to play in, and they're really like Allen Fieldhouse or whatever. There's been the Jocks have had runs where they've won 30 or 40 straight games there, and that's kind of what Oracle Arena felt like at sometimes. Um, so I don't think Boston will have that issue at Chase Center. I think that's a very winnable place to uh, go on the road and win. And Boston's proven that they've done it before. And it's not like it's been with a different team. It's been with this exact core. It's been with Tatum. It's been with Brown. It's been with Marcus Smart. So, you know, these guys know how to win on the road there. Um, obviously, you can't let – I think it's going to be very hard. You know, anyone come up, come up, can come up here and be like, okay, they got to stop Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Um I think it's going to be very hard to obviously shut those guys down. Um, I think guys they can't let get into it are Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole. Yeah. Um, 
Andrew Wiggins has had a, a really good redemption arc here, especially with uh, uh, Golden State. Um, they can't let him get his confidence going. They can't let him get into it early. And Jordan Poole is probably the most important piece. Uh, Jordan Poole gets going, it's going to be a long night. Uh, I think Jordan Poole is honestly the probably right up there with Curry on terms of three-point shooting on that team. I don't think he gets he's, – he's been getting a lot of credit this year, but I don't think he gets really enough credit for how good of a three-point shooter he's become. Uh, if Jordan Poole gets going, when that guy's confidence is, is up there, I mean, he's he's flying. And I think if – if he gets going, it's going to, like I said, it's going to be a long night for Boston. Um, and if you're Golden State, you obviously want to get Jordan Poole and Andrew Wins going. Those are your biggest X factors. Um, you have you have two duos pretty much on both teams with with Clay and Curry and Jalen and, 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 and Jason. Um, those four guys are going to be very hard to stop. So I think the biggest thing for these teams is not letting – um, the Grant Williams getting into it, the Al Horford's getting into it, or the Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins getting into the game because I think those guys will uh, be the difference makers in these series. If those guys get hot, um, then obviously that's four against two or five against two, and you're going to have four or five legitimate scorers on, on the court, and you don't you don't want to have that on either side because both, both teams have guys that can really step up and that they've improved. Grant Williams had that 27-point game seven. Andrew Wiggins has had incredible games throughout this playoffs, as Jordan Poole has. And even Kevon Looney has really um, stepped up in the absence of uh, uh, James Wiseman. So I think the biggest thing for both teams, honestly, is going to be not letting those um, bench players and those third, fourth fiddle guys uh, get into a rhythm. Yeah. I'm going to go with Golden State tonight. I think... It's going to take Boston probably a game just to kind of get a feel for the atmosphere they're in, um, you know, kind of get kind of their, their feet under them, if you will, being the road team. Uh, but I, I would look for Boston in game two. Like, whoever wins game one, I would take the opposite in game two. Like, if, if Boston comes out and wins tonight, I like Golden State then in game two. Well, that's another thing about Boston. They've not lost. They've only lost back-to-back games once since February. And that was in the regular season to the Raptors and Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, and Robert Williams all did not play that game. No, Joey and I played that game. Yeah, they called. I think. Thing. I think. Yeah, I got. I did get a phone call, but I could not make it up to Canada at the time. So yeah, they, they said the travel was a little restricted. <laughs> um, all jokes aside, we're we're excited for this NBA Finals to get going. Uh, first time in a long time that Joey Celtics have been involved with it. Um, you know, obviously the most anticipated matchup. I think we were anticipating this in 2018, didn't quite get it, um, but now we have it here in 2022. Game one tips tonight. We will have plenty more from game one on tomorrow's episode of Back and Forth, along with plenty more to get to. Until then, enjoy the rest of your evening. I've been your host at Matt, a.k.a. Matt Raftery. Joined alongside, as always, by my co-host, Joey G. And we will talk to you guys tomorrow on the Back and Forth podcast. <laughs>